0: Minding Your Own Business, Helping Businesses Overcome Problems and Improve Performance with Graham Knight and Richard forkan Okay, so we're on our third podcast here, Graham, and this one is um, where we both start when we get into a, a new business and that's numbers, so being on top of your numbers, which can be construed in a lot of different ways, can't it? But unless you understand your numbers, you don't really understand much about your business, do you?
1: No, I don't think you understand how the business works. I mean... Quite often, companies start on the basis that they've heard from their accountant once a year. That's the only check they get on whether they're particularly profitable or not. And um, clearly, that that means that if anything has been untoward in the business, or even if it's been particularly good in the business, you're only alerted to that once a year. And so clearly, you need to get more of a sort of month-by-month check on exactly where you are. So that would involve... Putting in place a budget, tracking against that budget, so that every month as you apply the actuals, you can start to see how you're then looking end of year against what you thought you were going to be looking at end of year. And that will, I'm sure in some cases, show some things need tweaking up and some things will need tweaking down.
0: It always surprises me the number of businesses we go into where you'll find a business owner who... who He's hoping he's going to make a profit, or she's going to make a profit, but doesn't actually know until the end of the year, and then the accountant does the books, as they call them, and then, then almost does a ta-da moment, where <laughs> and yeah. it's either congratulations, you made some money, or sadly you haven't.
1: And, and, I mean, no, there's, there's one business, I will, they used to take bets on, on whether they made a profit well, that, that's, that that's, year or not. <laughs>
0: that's just unbelievable, isn't it? But... If, but that the, the notion of running a business with an error in it or a, a, a process problem in it or a, 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 a loss-making activity in it and doing that for an entire year without really knowing it is is a bit daft to me. So I, I think the principle of following what you're doing month on month and then making those what hopefully will be slight corrections as you go to make sure you're nipping things in the bud that are maybe chewing up Potential yeah, or
1: exploiting or things that clearly are starting to work. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's absolutely. Turning the wake up on those. So, I mean, it's 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 really about understanding the business model of the business when you start, because a lot of companies want to grow. That that's their vision is to grow, but if they're not very profitable, then you have to question whether the extra work is worth the extra money. And so, unless you understand exactly what brings the profit in, what work is most profitable. And you don't know which part of the business to turn the wick up and therefore concentrate your marketing and efforts on bringing more of that type of work in. So it's it's all about making sure the business is viable before you start turning on the growth.
0: That process there, of, I know you've done this a lot as well, but when you put a budget together for somebody right at the beginning of a financial year and you play out for them across 12 months exactly what the end picture will look like so you know just basically plugging in average costs salary costs having a a view of historical data on on revenue and then plugging that in forwards and then showing somebody and saying right if you carry on doing what you're doing this is what 12 months looks like which is going to give you a, a, a an output of x profit or loss the number of times people look at it and go really you know because they've they've worked for years in a business and just done everything the same way every day and you know hopes they're going to get to the point where they make a profit and not really ever thought about looking that far ahead you know it's, it's sort of shocking isn't it but it, it's going on quite a lot out there isn't it With people, who and it's not a big effort to to put a, a model like that together just to have a look at what the future might look like.
1: No, I think, um, I suppose, having come from a corporate, you get used in corporate life that life's not like that. You have to budget for the future. Um, but I think also, I don't mean want to speak um, irrelevantly about the accountancy practice and things. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps I could. But the problem is most of those bookkeepers and things will look backwards. They tend to look on history yeah, and absolutely. what's been achieved yeah. without necessarily looking forwards at what the future holds if we carry on with that trajectory. So quite often when I get involved in a business, the first thing you do is to look at the profit and loss. And the profit and loss often can be a bit misleading depending on how well the chart of accounts has been defined for that particular business. So it's not unusual to find things, in my opinion, completely in the wrong place. Yeah, There's overheads in the cost of sale. There's cost of sale that should be in overheads. And so if you don't understand the gearing of the business and the relationship between each of these things and the revenue then you probably won't be as on message with the business as you would be otherwise. And so I think accountants have a slightly different view of looking at business, often looking at balance sheets and and things like that because that's more the accountancy side in terms of the annual results and things. Whereas when I was a business owner, it was more about the things month to month that were going to make a difference to the business in terms of profitability rather than things that were necessarily adding value to the business per se.
0: I think accountants are probably... But as you say, without without knocking what the accountancy profession does they're focus every day is to make sure the numbers are, are representative of, of what the business is doing without really getting a feel for why those numbers are doing what they're doing and and it's just you know put it into zero put it into QuickBooks put it into Sage whatever it is get the, the, the P&L out of the back of it and the balance sheet and then job done move on to the next customer and to be fair they haven't really got the time no, no, to, a, to look a, at what they're doing I it's suppose it's a completely really different.
1: different yeah exactly it's a completely different business model I mean an accountant will have 100 clients 150 clients yeah. I mean I would work and you would work with 15 clients I mean yeah. we can afford a day a month yeah. to drill down in those numbers not just as numbers but what those numbers are telling us and what things therefore would need to change Yeah,
0: and trends and trends
1: so when we get the numbers added obviously a budget would be the fiscal year in which the company's trading and that can be quite a short space of time it's only 12 months so typically what you would do is take the numbers and trend them over Twenty-five months, I find, is most effective. Yeah. So that when you look at numbers in this month, May, whatever, um, then you're automatically looking at May the previous year and May the previous year, so that that would pick up any seasonal trends in the revenue because some months would be higher than others. Sometimes December's high, sometimes December's low. Sometimes August is high, sometimes August is low. So. So that would iron those out and it would show you the general direction of travel over 25 months. If you go back more than 25 months, typically the business is so different three, four, five years ago to what it is now that really the comparison loses its value Yeah. because a business turning over 400k was completely different to a business that should now be turning over a million plus. So the whole business has changed anyway. So going back and saying, well, hey, look, this is what we were then – which is when the next um, sort of subject of discussion, the gearing of the business, comes into play.
0: That's interesting gearing, isn't it? The percentage of um, cost of sale versus turnover, percentage profit, percentage staffing costs, and it obviously moves around depending on the type of business you're looking at. But there's some clear indicators in there on how healthy a business is, You know, in terms of the staffing's the one I always look at, and what percentage of your, your revenue is staff costs sometimes you can go into a business and see that sort of up in the 70s 80s percent and you know immediately that you've got a problem there yeah exactly I mean the the cost
1: is too high for the revenue yeah so you either need to right size the cost to make more profit or you need to get the revenue up to where it should be if you're incurring that sort of cost on that sort of turnover yeah and I've, I've not heard anybody else look at that as a particularly important metric I mean cost of sale obviously people get but then it depends on what you include in cost of sale yeah so in some cases I've, I've had um, accountants recommending that the cost of your staff is included in cost of sale because without the cost of sale you couldn't do the revenue like on a, um, a time-based or, or like a graphic design studio or professional services studio. But for me the cost of sale is, a, is a, if you put that cost in to cost of sale it then becomes a fixed cost and in, in my eyes, when I was running a business, if cost of sale was flexible, so if you sold something, you incurred a cost. If you didn't sell anything, now if you put all the staff salaries in cost of sale, then you've got that cost. So if you sell absolutely nothing, which probably would never happen in practice, but yeah, just to illustrate still, yeah. the point, you've still yeah. got a cost of sale okay. of forty grand. Yeah. I, I don't get that. I mean, I don't get what you need to change in order yeah. to get more profitable. So I would rather have it in this labor line which i call labor where it's a percentage of the turnover yep. and if that typically uh, in my experience professional services would be 50 percent of the turnover you know that's the sort of nirvana and so as you say if you're up in the 60s 70s then that's way more so either you've got more overhead than you need because they're not contributing the revenue or you've got more consultants than you need to deliver the revenue that you have yeah and so you either what is called right size rather than downside you right size the revenue or you, you have to um, increase your revenue to justify having that sort of cost. And it's the same with, with overheads as a percentage of, of revenue as well.
0: That's the, the whole sanity versus vanity yeah. model, isn't it? Where you, <laughs> you think the bigger you get, the better you're doing. And actually it's not about it's not turnover, it's about profit. Absolutely, and, you know, yeah. I'd much rather run a business turning over half a million making 100k than 3 million making 50k.
1: Yeah, and that's why you need to do this first before Absolutely. you go for growth. Because yeah. um, otherwise, I mean, I did get introduced to a company once where clearly they were losing money on the product they were buying before they were reselling it. By the yeah. time they'd factored every other cost in, into the equation, like delivery and um, commissioning and things. Yeah. And so it was, it was definitely not a good idea to grow until we'd actually got the finances right. Um, because otherwise, they were just going to lose more money the more they sold.
0: You've touched on an interesting topic there with suppliers and looking at what you're buying in your materials for. I do come across companies where they're buying goods and services in that make up what it is they're selling, and they they've they've not visited those costs for you know years and years, and they've always bought from the same place at the same price. Nine times out of ten there's profit to be had out of that and regular reviews of where you're buying materials from, where you're buying in services from can really help drive a business forward because there's there's deals to be had, particularly if you're a major purchaser for a particular supplier where you're, you're giving them a big chunk of business. They'll be very keen to incentivise you to keep it that way.
1: Yeah, it's it's a balance. Um, Obviously, suppliers would feature in cost of sale, typically. I mean, it could be on overheads as well, but probably to a lesser extent. So if you're buying materials, then clearly what you need to do is to look at who your top suppliers are because you might be able to go and back. And negotiate higher discounts it only yeah. has to be one or two percent, but that's all on the bottom line. Yeah, um, and, and the other thing is it, it also makes you look at your pricing because, particularly at the time we're living in now, where materials are changing almost weekly and shipping costs are um, huge compared to what they were months before. So, with that being so dynamic, if you're locked into supplying at a price on which you did the numbers back in January, that model is probably already not making you as much money as it is now in, in halfway through the year. Yeah. So I know several clients who, who are doing this exercise monthly now, just to sense, not necessarily changing their prices, but to sense check that any increase in price is not losing them margin. Because if you start the year based on a margin being X, and that's slowly being eroded over time, unless you fix this because you're reviewing it monthly and not annually, you haven't got enough time left in the year to actually adjust your prices and stop that erosion but then it comes down to terms and conditions and what things people sign up for and particularly in the construction sector now people are having to sign up for fixed price work for two years and it's almost impossible for any construction company to know what the material cost of anything is going to be in three months time never mind 18 months time. Absolutely.
0: The other thing you've you've touched on there that that plays into that is is cash flow. And and by understanding your numbers and being able to forward forecast the budget, you can start to then work out what sort of cash you'll need to keep the business going and where it's coming from and how much you're going to have to invest in materials and staff and how much you'll have as a a floating bank account over 12 months or 24 months. And again, the number of businesses that we go in that, that you'll see... Owners not really knowing what they've got in the bank from one day to the next and aren't really thinking about all of the forward costs they've got, like the VAT quarter coming up, corp tax bills, or even payrolls. You know, you, you see business owners scrabbling around to try and meet a payroll. And actually, if you thought about it much earlier, what you would need in terms of working capital, you can control growth and you can control spend to meet the cash flow that you can afford rather than bouncing in and out of perhaps overdrafts that aren't there. And, and living, you know, hand to mouth. When yeah. really, really you, you can control that if you work at it.
1: Yeah, some some businesses are based on how much cash they've got in the bank. And if yeah. there's a lot in the bank, they must be doing well. So they'll be more inclined to spend money. Yeah. Um, only to find the shock horror that it's nine months since company closed and they've got a 60k corporation tax bill and yeah. happens to coincide with the VAT bill another 40k. So suddenly 100 grand can go out the account in the same month yeah. on top of the payroll and everything. So it, it cash is also a matter of looking at your debtors and seeing how soon people pay their bills. Because clearly if, if you assume that you raise invoices on a 30 days basis and yet most people don't pay within 30 days, you either have to train them to get them to pay within 30 days or you have to change your cash flow to assume that people will pay within 60 days. Yeah, But that means that clearly the cash is going to come in less in in more time so so if you don't factor that in then what you think you'll have in the bank at the end of the month will be less than you thought you're going to have that's fine over time because it will even itself out probably but nevertheless it's these questions that you're asking yourself because you know cash is king If, if you run out of cash more businesses go broke because they run out of cash not because they've got a bad idea or they're improperly run or they're not viable it's just cash goes out quicker than they thought. Um, And if they can't quickly, then get further cash injection from somewhere. But then the point is, you really need to understand why that's happened before you think about putting in more money from a funding authority like Funding Circle or Bank or something like that. Because if basically all you're doing is just extending the time available without dealing with the profitability then it won't be long before you'd be back for more money to, to put the business right. So you need to make sure that if you really are going to put a PG in place or something that's going to sign up to a cash injection, that this really is a cash flow issue and not a cash issue and the two things aren't the same.
0: I think that's um, something that a lot of people don't think about is a, a business can be wildly successful and run out of cash because it's growing just too quickly, quickly for, yeah. for the amount of money it can get in to pay its bills Yeah, and, you, and you'll end up hitting a wall you run out of the ability to to pay for goods and services to grow your business because you've just gone too fast without enough working capital.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, um, I mentioned funding circle, but but factoring is also still as relevant today yeah. as it was. I, yeah. I worked with a ten million turnover business in the marine sector, and the guy who owned that was quite clear that without factoring, he could never have grown to that size of company. Yeah. So there are solutions out there. The first thing is you have to identify the problem, and then you can start looking at what the solutions are but if you if you're not alerted to the problem then you'll have to make a a fairly quick knee-jerk reaction to fix the problem and may pick the wrong solution just because you haven't had any quality time to sit down and realize what all the different options are available.
0: That's, that's an interesting topic as well when, you, when a business goes to a bank asking for funds either in terms of a loan or, or maybe an overdraft and the banks always say is it working capital or not mm. and our business owners don't really understand what that question means mm. yeah. and the bank is trying to work out are you using this because you're going rapidly downhill yeah. <laughs> and you're running out of cash or is it genuinely cash you need to make your business operate and grow yeah. Yeah. and that's quite a carefully presented model that you need to go to the bank with to get the funds that you need.
1: Well, I mean, I deal a lot with banks, and uh, what's interesting for them is that if they say, well, we'll consider an overdraft, can you send us this information, financial information, it's how quickly that financial information arrives with the bank that gives them confidence that the business is under control or or not. And the more times they have to ask for it, uh, and the more the delay, the The more concern there is that actually maybe (laughs) this cash is... uh, is down to how the company is managed rather than the fact that there's a cash problem so um, so all sorts of things stem from this monthly review which needn't be more than a couple of hours Yeah. but at least you know then you've got that confirmation that um, to use a sort of rag analogy, the red, amber, green if, if things in profitability are in line with what you're expecting then everything is good, and everything's green and graphs will show that then that's fine, just move on
0: I think it's been, a, a lot of clients have said to me, it's, it's like turning the lights on, really, when you, when you get a clear representation that's not buried in annual accounts, but a clear yeah. understanding snapshot of what your business is doing right now. It is like turning the lights on, and it also gives you the ability to make decisions that are based on fact, not based on gut feel. Yeah, yeah
1: no informed decisions. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: and if you, if you get them right, you're, you're in a good place. And if you get some of these decisions wrong because you've not got the data to be able to make the decision... You know, you, you could be sending your business down a hole that you might not get out of. Yeah. So it's, it's almost daft not to be doing it, really. So d- just to summarise that then, it, with numbers, we're talking about understanding budgets. We're talking about trending. We're talking about some of the metrics that you would look at around a business in terms of percentage cost of sale, percentage gross profit, getting your chart of accounts right, planning your cash flow looking at your suppliers and working out where you're buying in goods and services to make your business work and what you're paying for them. And if you understand that, you've got a much better chance of of building and growing a healthy business and knowing if you're going down the right road or or the wrong one at any given point. Absolutely. To get all the episodes of Minding Your Own Business automatically on your favourite podcast app, just click follow or subscribe.